Welcome back, everybody, to the Tribe of the Fours podcast, a podcast from Puerto Rican friends coming together to do deep dives into Star Wars and other nerd-related media. This is season five, and today we are really, really excited because we are going to be interviewing author of, amongst many other things, Star Wars The High Republic Convergence. Soraya Cordova, welcome to the triad. Welcome We're to the so channel. To have you. Hola, hello. Hola, hola. <laughs> so excited to finally have you. Like I know we've been talking uh, for for a while about chatting. We had talked about celebration uh, for a minute to be able to do something there. And the and the stars haven't aligned, but finally, no pun in, oh, actually pun totally intended. We were able to converge today. So uh, so excited to I finally have you. <laughs> I'm excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much. It's it's one of those things where you know, as a as a, a kind of like a not kind of like as a Puerto Rican podcast, we're always on the lookout, right? To like look for Latinx creators, and especially if they're involved in Star Wars. So like, you're definitely one of the people that have always been on our radar that we've always been excited to talk about. And after you know, you published Convergence and High Republic, and that whole. Uh, publishing effort that's so focused on representation it's really special to have you part especially now since you know we're in the middle of phase three so i know you can't talk about what's happening in phase three but <laughs> I we'll can, talk yeah a little i bit can about phase two but <laughs> <laughs> i can share some i can share what, what i can you know uh especially my my work in progress <laughs> We'll take we'll, we'll we'll take whatever whatever you can <laughs> you can uh, give to us. So, yeah, welcome to, welcome to the channel. Uh, Soraya Cordova, you know, born in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and like you call New York City home. You started uh, writing when you were 13 years old and haven't stopped. So I think that's a kind of a good uh, point to start everything because I feel lots of people like to when they're talking to authors or other creators, they want to just go into what are the Easter eggs or what are the things that happen during the story or all of those things? And I think we're a little more uh, interested in you as a person and like your process and how that then uh, plugs into the work that you create. So why don't you kind of, why don't we start there, like on your background and your upbringing, how you ended up in New York and how you ended up writing. So tell us a little bit about that, about, yeah, your background there a little bit. Yeah, so I I was born in Guayaquil, Ecuador, and I we immigrated to the United States when I was around six, mm -hmm. um, and it was it was a really big change. But I feel like because I was so little, I yeah. I didn't feel it right away, um, and because I grew up in a a very Latin and black neighborhood in Queens, New York, um, which is a in Jamaica, Queens, mm -hmm. I I never really felt you know, displaced or, or anything like that. I was also in ES English as a second language classes up until I was 10 and then sort of tested out of it. Um, and it was, that was a really interesting change because uh, that's when sort of my language, I felt like my language sort of switched. Mm -hmm. um, and so even though I am fluent in Spanish, um, it, I still like, like I translate in my brain sometimes and, but it, it's still the language that I reach for uh, in certain situations. Like, I don't know, it, when I write, sometimes I think about what it, will it sound like in the Spanish translation, mm -hmm. but that's a tangent. Um, <laughs> a tangent we that we'll get, into. Yeah. we'll get into that one. Yeah. Uh, and so, so that's me and my, my, the thing that I, I always, I'm always thinking about language and, and how it affected me as, as a kid growing up and an adult. 
Um, and so I started, I, I did start writing when I was 13. I hated books until then. I just really? came from a school visit. Yeah, <laughs> I hated books. And the reason I hated books, and people who have heard me on other Star Wars podcasts will already know this, but um, when it's, I think it was because the teachers always gave me the house on Mango Street. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, oh, you are also uh, immigrant. Uh, you may like this book, <laughs> but I just, I, I didn't really relate to books like uh, House on Mango Street or Esperanza Rising, which are classics and beautiful, but they were, I wanted fantasy. I wanted magic. I wanted Star mm-hmm. Wars. I wanted, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. Lord of the Rings. I wanted, I wanted like a TV yeah. show, you know, Sailor, Sailor Moon and, and, mm-hmm. and um, Gargoyles yeah. and X-Men. And so like, yes. I wanted that fantasy, but, mm-hmm. but the only thing that, you know, teachers would give me as, as far as books went, were, were like the sad, poor immigrant or the sad, poor Mexican person, because, Mm -hmm. uh, it, you know, to them, it was all the same. Um, Mm -hmm. because, uh, and, and back to my schooling, all of my teachers were Puerto Rican and Dominican up until I was in place outside of English of ESL classes. And then my teachers were all white. Um, Mm -hmm. and so that was also like, I felt I feel like that was also a change in the way that yeah. people gave mm-hmm. me books, books to read. And of course, uh, so I, I I sort of like pushed back against. I'm like, well, I'm not gonna read anything at all. I'll watch movies and 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 fill the well with magical with magical things. Yeah. Um and so uh then I just kept writing. Then when I turned to th- when I was 13, uh I we got an assignment to write a short story in school as extra credit. And I went above and beyond and I wrote 13 pages. I didn't have a computer. So, uh, and the, it was like a Sunday. So the, and I, I only remember it cause I was sleeping over at this, my, my then friend's house. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ended up writing 13 pages, but I still got the same extra credit grade as everyone else. And I felt uh, like a deep injustice. Cheated, <laughs> cheated. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, and then from then on, like, I just, I made it my mission. I went to a summer writing camp, which was hosted by the National Book Foundation, uh, who of course run the National Book Award. Um, and uh, yeah, just kept, kept doing it until I, I started interning at a literary agency and then got my first book deal. And I just kept writing until something I was like, something's going to work at some point. Mm-hmm. So I just have to keep, so I just have to keep doing it. Um, and so now I've written 20, 20 books. Uh, my 21st book will come out August 27th, which is the Star Wars middle grade, mm-hmm. Beware the Nameless. Uh, Congratulations, by the way. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm excited for that. But that's, that's, that's the short, short, long story. <laughs> Yeah. No, that's great. That's great. And we'll definitely get to High Republic stuff a little later. We'll save, save that for the end. We want to focus uh, on you now. So, I mean, that's a really interesting story. It kind of goes back a little bit into what, what I wanted to ask you, because then obviously we want like you have a very different upbringing because of your, you know, of your heritage and having to come to New York City and like what you just said about what your experience with professors and how they were giving you all these literary assignments that you might not have connected with. So how do you think that then all those things and your upbringing kind of influence your writing or would you say that there was in a way kind of a, as you were saying, right? You don't want to, you 
at first not connecting with the whole immigrant experience stories that they're giving you because of you know how it's forced a cliche upon you I guess uh would you say yeah. that, that kind of yeah. made you negate that to an extent and did that then come back into your writing because inheritance of Arcadia Divina right that's very about the uh, immigrant experience in many ways and obviously talks about mm -hmm. magical realism and all, all these like um, amazing Latin uh, authors so how, what was that connection that you had with like that aspect of you and how does that come into your writing yeah I mean and I I do think that it there is a there is a way to relate those books uh to anybody right like anybody should pick up the house on mango street and be like oh this is a really wonderful experience i think that what happens instead is that people think it's the only experience mm -hmm. right so mm -hmm. therefore this is the narrative and so we're only allowed to have this narrative yeah um and so that's kind of exhausting when you never you don't you rarely see yourself as a hero Uh, in a TV yeah. show or a movie, um, you see yourself a victim, right? Or a problem to mm -hmm. society. Um, and so, and of course, like, I, I think like the, 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 the types of Latinos, like the, the, the country of origin, you know, there's, there's a lot more representation um, for some countries versus others. So even for me, like I could never find a book about Ecuador um, yeah. in a contemporary setting. Um, but I could still relate to other countries, right? Um, and that, you know, I, I think it is funny that um, uh, you mentioned Arquita Divina because uh, it it's a book that is about immigration without being without it being like the central topic, mm -hmm, right? Like right. that's what that's the entire theme of the book. Uh, but it just it's something that happens in the beginning. And then the rest is the aftermath mm -hmm. of of that of that of the generations after. Um, but it also took me like ten years or eight years into my career to write that to to put that book out because the other books were still about um, there were there were always fantasy right. So my first series mm -hmm. is about mermaids in Coney Island. Uh, my second series is uh, the Brooklyn Brujas. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's still about magical creatures who straddle two worlds, um, which is, I feel like that's the immigrant experience because at home you have one world and in the outside world, you have a secondary place, right? Um, and so in you, so there's like, you have two wolves inside of you, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. one speaks, one speaks Spanish and one doesn't, <laughs> exactly. uh, that is correct. And, <laughs> And, and so, um, so that's sort of how I, I approach and every, you know, my experience as, as like, you know, a, a poor working class immigrant to a kid, to an adult with like my own job in my own apartment, my own, you know, like career, yeah. um, that all, all of that has affected my, my book. And, and I do think Star Wars is an immigrant experience mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, a lot of it is, it's about diaspora and, mm -hmm. uh, and refugees and, uh, and love and empires and, uh, you know, so it's like, w when people are always like, stop making Star Wars political, like, 
like Star Wars has always been political. What are you talking yep, about? That's correct. Yeah. Are all of art is political music, everything. And so I just think it's, it's such a silly argument and I don't, I, I can't even, you know, like we shouldn't even give time to that. We just keep making, keep making the, the art. Um, but yeah, all of that, all of those experiences went into the books. Um, and Arquita Divina definitely felt like a different book because it was my first adult uh, literary fiction, not like, I, I guess it's literary fiction. Um, who knows? I, I don't put things in the genres like that's what the bookstores do. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's true. And a uh, book doesn't necessarily need to be one genre either. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's up to interpretation a, a lot. Um, so actually, I'm curious, since you said you like hated books at the beginning, and then it was kind of like organic that you wrote that short story and kind of fell in love with it. But what do you think opened the door for you to actually enjoy reading books? Oh, yes. So that book mm-hmm. was uh, uh, In the Forests of the Night by Amelia Atwater Rhodes, mm-hmm. who she was a 14 year old author who in 1999 got her first book deal uh, with a real publisher, uh, R- Random House. Um, and I remember being at the library and I was like, oh, my God, she's like my age. Mm-hmm. And she published a whole book. Or maybe I got it through the Scholastic Book Fair. I can't remember. But one of those, <laughs> like, I definitely, yeah. like, I, re- I remember getting this book and I was obsessed with it and I was obsessed with her. Um, and and the idea, like, this girl is my age and she yeah. did this. Did it. Yeah. I can, I can do it too. And I think that, that that in itself is what representation is about. Mm-hmm. You know, like, Amelia Water Roads and I have nothing in common. Like I'm a Ecuadorian immigrant living in New York, and she's a a white teen living in Massachusetts. <laughs> and and like and so we have like absolutely nothing in common except for yeah. books. And yeah. the just her just her existing, uh, you know, made me want to be a writer. And and the fact that she did something. So I think it's like that. That is what you know representation actually means to me um where it's like you don't we don't have to have everything absolutely in common but I still see yeah. part of me reflected in you mm-hmm. um and and so I I loved her book also helped um <laughs> I read every single every single one of her books I know she's still writing but I haven't really I haven't looked up since like I aged out of teen mm-hmm. um yeah. so I should I should like go back and and see what what's new um but that those books they were about vampires uh teenage vampires and they opened and then she also wrote shapeshifters um and her book hawk hawk song uh which is about avian shapeshifters and snake shapeshifters uh who have to have a marriage alliance in order to save their kingdoms mm. that inspired convergence <laughs> oh, okay interesting yeah. um because i was also i mean like also history you know like history does this um but but i definitely thought about that book when i when i was writing convergence because i was like oh so the things like the things that we love are always inspiring us and continue to inspire us um but yeah that so after that i just kept reading fantasy and uh, I would go to the library, the New York Public Library, the Jamaica branch of the Queens Public Library, I should mm. say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would get, I would take out as many books as I could. Um, and yeah, 
that just, that turned me into a reader. That, that 100 page vampire novel by a 14 year old girl turned me into a reader. That's really cool. That. That's really cool. Cause it, it definitely reminds me of now a lot of people how, cause it's, I mean, as, as t times change, like people's engagement with literature or media changes too. And like for the, what that reminds me of is like AO3 and like how people with like mm -hmm. fanfic kind of engage through uh, reading in that way. And then also get inspired into writing through, through fan fiction the, in, through the internet. So I think that's, that's really cool to see how people just get inspired to just create through others, you know, through others, people's lenses. Uh, and mm -hmm. I kind of want to piggyback right on Nani's question there about the author that inspired you and kind of talk about like other authors too, because going back to Orquidea Divina, uh, you know, the magical realism is very, you know, uh, uh, important into the book and like how it's written. And especially like through like the, like the past, right, with Orquídea's story, like it's very reminiscent of, at least to me, it was of Isabel Allende or Gabriel Garcia Marquez with uh, 100 Years of Solitude or uh, 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 The House of the Spirits. So like, were those authors that you had been reading and authors that you pulled from when you were writing those books? And a little later, I want to talk about like how that can plug into Star Wars, but for now, let's just keep it with Orquídea Divina. <laughs> I know everything leads back to Star Wars. Um, <laughs> we are a Star Wars podcast. I, so. <laughs> I look. I I I do think I, I'm glad that you picked up on the Saint Anne de Soledad and uh, House of Spirits um, because I I you know those books were very influential to Latin America itself, mm -hmm. and so mm -hmm. I yeah I. I feel like I wanted to write, this is like my, my love letter to Garcia Marquez. Mm -hmm. You know, it just has less rape and uh, incest. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Appreciated. Yeah. Considerably less. Oh, yeah. Considerably. <laughs> uh, and yeah. And so, um, you know, those books were sort of like a time capsule of a mm -hmm. generation. And I think that yeah. every generation gets to add and to be in conversation with those books. And so a lot of my biggest inspirations from like, I was always a big Edgar Allan Poe girly. Like mm -hmm. I oh, yeah. love Edgar Allan Poe so yeah. much. Like Edgar Allan Poe and William Blake were the two po poets that I memorized the most as like a really emo teenage girl. Um, <laughs> and I would write their sad, like their sad poems in my notebook. And like, it was definitely my personality from the age of like 15 to 16. Um, and so I think that like those poets were also a big influence on me. Um, the the song songwriters were also an influence on me. Like mm -hmm. the all all Latin music, you know. Like mm -hmm. I listen to Latin Latin music, rock music, and then Latin rock. And so I feel like mm -hmm. those are like my three. I, of course, I listen to pop and everything that's that's you know popular. Yeah. Um, but it's like, but they're never my go tos, right? Like it's never. Like every time when I'm sad or I feel like in a weird mood, I put on like the salsa classics playlist and then I yeah. feel better, you know? So like there's some music that is just, it, it just speaks to you in a different way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and so, and so, and the, the, the Latin tradition, like Latinx tradition of, of songwriting always tells a huge story um, within the song. And so that also, I feel like thinking about, 
how every word is impactful um, was a big deal for me. So I, yeah, I feel like all writers are a combination of the things that they love. And so, uh, and, and every generation adds to this, this like giant canon yeah. of books. So, but for me, it's still, you know, those two biggest influences and I can't, you can't not write a magical realism book without, without talking mm-hmm. to, to, you know, Gabo and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sen- <laughs> Senora Allende. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is the interesting thing, especially about Isabel Allende. It's just that she has, you know, she's done her YA books. Obviously, she has like her all her magical realism books. So she's expanded the breadth, right, of what a Lat- 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 Latina author can do because everyone always thinks of her as just like, oh, she's just, you know, this magical realism author, but she has done so much more, which I think is kind of like the inspiring thing about her. Uh, but I think well, one of the I cool... Think- yeah, go. What you're going into and what you had mentioned also, Soraya, is that it goes a lot into like how the education system works. I mean, obviously you had that transition of starting, you know, in South America and then having to go to the States and how you were viewed like as an English as a second language and then you like opted out, you know, but the way that books are chosen, I think is strange because I was, I did not like writing in Spanish for the longest time. Um, Goose and I went to like bilingual schools here and then the way they choose the books especially for like the Spanish curriculum they don't do any modern authors like you will get maybe one Gabriel García Márquez that's it you never get an Isabel Allende you'll get like La Carreta and you'll get Don Quixote always but then it's all these books in like such old written Spanish that sometimes you need yeah, yeah. yeah you need as a Spanish, as a first language, you would need a dictionary to read some of these books. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it was so hard to connect with Spanish authors for me for the longest time. And mm-hmm. and like you, I, I remember I wrote my, monograf- my monografia in Spanish talk about Edgar Allan Poe. And my teacher was like, <laughs> uh, from all the Spanish authors, and this is the Spanish class, and you're doing your monografia on Edgar Allan Poe. I was like, yeah, because every other thing we... Yeah read in Spanish I don't connect with it at all yeah. That's true. Yeah. so I think the way that we're being taught even as first language Spanish it's they kind of ignore what modern Spanish writing yeah. is yeah. or Latin mm-hmm. authors that write in English but there's the Latin influence behind it and, and mm-hmm. they're kind of like ignored I feel in the schools I mean I went to high school and stuff years ago but still <laughs> I don't Same. think it's changed much <laughs> no I don't think it's changed much yeah. And and I think that because it, there's like this elitism, right? Like, oh, Don Quixote is a classic, therefore it must be incredible. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Don Quixote is incredibly inaccessible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember I knew this guy who's uh, it's years and years ago, like at least 20 years ago. He had done um, a Spanglish translation of Don Quixote but he only did like the first chapter and I I have Mm -hmm. I should actually check to see I'm like you've had 20 years did you ever finish it but again that's also inaccessible if you don't read Spanish and English Mm -hmm. um true but it's also from Spain like like that's not Latin literature right Um, right, true Mm -hmm. and and so like that's another thing where I'm like you're bringing all of these writers like we have tons of writers in South America and Central America yeah and Mexico and so I'm like where are they where, mm-hmm. where are they in the curriculums mm-hmm. um yeah. but... they usually do focus just on Spain yeah well and and, <laughs> and 
and also, and it's piggybacking on what you were saying earlier, Sorai, that it's also focusing on the struggle, right? Always, mm -hmm. most, if not all of the, the assigned books that we had to read was about the struggle and how, it, like, yeah, like Arreta and like all these things, or La Noche en que volvimos a ser gente, like all these stories that are about like how yeah. horrible things were for Puerto Ricans, like in ex, you know, and in the olden days and, or, or for the immigrants. And it's always how everything is terrible. And it was never like uplift, like you were saying, there's no uplifting stories or where we're, you know, like victorious or anything, everything so defeatist always. I remember mm -hmm. one of the books that I was reading uh, probably like in, in middle school was Lautaro and it was about, you know, the, 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 the natives fighting the Spaniards and it's just, it's horrible. It's a horrible, <laughs> it's, I mean, it was an awesome book, don't get me wrong, but it, <laughs> it, it doesn't end victoriously. So I think that's I know. kind of a good thing to always keep in mind it's just that our stories don't have to be tragic they can also be uplifting yeah. and I think yeah. that's one of the great things about your book it's just it kind of starts that way like in the traditional way <laughs> of like the tragic uh, his, Hispanic story and then it it has that reversal at the end where it's, it's not necessarily a rejection right it's about the acceptance of your heritage but then moving forward uh, with like mm -hmm. your, your new heritage because I think that's another part that's kind of ignored with a lot of contemporary Latinx stories. It's about just you as where you're from, as opposed to like where you're going. So I don't know if you want to yeah. like elaborate a little bit about that. So also, uh, I should say like Orquilla Divina, for those who don't know, <laughs> are is about. Um, yes, please. Yeah, we're uh, talking about it. We all read it. <laughs> it's about, yeah, we've all read it. <laughs> yeah. I appreciate it. Uh, it's about a woman, a, a woman's story, and she uh, she makes a deal with um, in her past, and she she ends up she lives her life in this uh, very secluded kind of property, like a valley. It's her valley, mm. um, and she has had five husbands and a ton of children, and now she's in her sixties and she's about to die. So she invites her descendants her living family to come to this living funeral and at the funeral she transforms into a tree but before she does that she gives three of her grandchildren uh two grandkids one great grandkid i think um a uh a bit of her power and so the the power manifests in different ways for the three of them um but several months several years later uh, the family starts dying one by one, and they know that it has something to do with this magic. Um, and so they have to go back to Ecuador to sort of find out why her, why Arquidia had this power, where did it come from, and they have to uncover all these things, secrets about their grandmother that they never knew because part of her bargain with this, in order to have this power, is that she could never talk about it. Um, mm -hmm. And so I've gotten so many emails and, and people come to my events that are not from Latin America, like Polish people and like um, Italians and like pe every, people from all over with ancestry right. from all over the world who are like, mm -hmm. my grandmother never talked about the old country. She never mm -hmm. talked about anything. She was very closed off and mean and like, and it's funny because people, after Encanto came out, people are calling mm -hmm. it the, like, adult Encanto. And I was mm -hmm. like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, there's technically a magical house and cousins with right. magical powers. 
But also, mine came out first. <laughs> <laughs> Respect. So in any case, Encanto is just a watered-down version. <laughs> no, Encanto is the animated Arcadia, and okay. so and like I, I, you know, I loved, I loved it. I think that it is great, but I yeah. do think that it's you can see the strings that connect us, right? So like, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, Lin Manuel and the collaborators, like the people, everybody who created uh, Encanto and me, like we have there we all have a thread like we have this invisible thread because we have a similar colonial background Mm -hmm. and ecuador and colombia are right next to each other our histories are tied you know there would be no ecuador and colombia if they had never been the gran colombia first Mm -hmm. um and so we have we have such an incredible shared history and shared past and so i'm not surprised that there was you know a, an animated kid version um yeah. that somebody created it's just like the magic of storytelling right like we're all we all get to tell versions of our stories and 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 through that we get to see how um how close how close we really are yeah yeah and i think that's one of the cool things about storytelling especially when you start then going into like the realms of fantasy and sci-fi right so it's just start blurring the lines of how you're connecting to people because then be, because of the veneer of fantasy and sci-fi you remove the specificity of, of culture and language to kind of make it universal and hopefully that was a elegant segue into kind of the star wars portion of everything because <laughs> through star wars right and sci-fi we're able to start telling those same stories just kind of with a different lens and you know you have written a lot of books, but you've also written a lot of Star Wars uh, uh, stories and, and books. Obviously, we were talking about the High Republic Convergence, but you have a, a Crash of Fate. You have your stories on A New Hope from a certain point of view. The Tonica sister story, You Owe Me Ride. You have the From a Certain Point of View, Wait For It, which is about Boba Fett. You have stories of Light and Dark, The Lost Night Sister, which is our girl, Asash Ventress, who's coming back. And now in The yes. Bad Batch, and then... Tales of Light and Life, which continues the story of like a fan favorite, Axel Greylark, which I call it like Axel, <laughs> Axel in college, basically. Uh, <laughs> if I, if I, you know, I'm interpreting that well. Uh, but before we get going into like the nitty gritty of how you're crafting these stories, I am also very interested in some background, inf- you know, information and how things, you know, how the sausage is made, so to speak. So, like, how did you get into Star Wars? And, like, what was that process of kind of breaking into Lucasfilm Publishing and and starting to write your own stories within the galaxy far, far away? I have, I think I've told the story before, but, you know, just uh, for those of you who haven't heard it, um, it, I, I actually don't know how exactly I got <laughs> into Star Wars Lucasfilm. Uh, I know that an editor from Lucasfilm reached out. And so I've created my own mythology where (laughs) I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it was a thing that I tweeted. Like I tweeted uh, uh, something about Poe Dameron where I was like, I would love to write Poe Dameron kissing his way through the galaxy, except I definitely didn't say kissing. Um, and but but you know like and I swear the next day we got this email from Del Rey being like Mm -hmm. we're doing this anthology it's super secret um 
does Zoraida want to be? I, we know we we know she's a Star Wars fan. Does she want to write for it? And these are the characters that are still available. And I remember I went. I immediately watched rewatched A New Hope, and and of the characters that were still available, I was like, the Tanaka sisters are not on here, and they're but they're on screen for like. A few seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that they are. I know that there's like action figures based on them. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a couple. There's short stories from like I think it was like the Tales from Jabba's Palace or something like that. Uh, I think that was Kevin Anderson. Um, and so I went and I read that that collection to see what they had done. And I know that in the the legends they had connected Han. Lando and the and the, the sisters um which just feels like a recipe for disaster with mm-hmm. Lando and, and Han but <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. Lando yeah <laughs> but but that was really fun and so I like I picked them and wrote my story of you know I, I write a, I feel like one of my favorite tropes is like let's steal this car I think I had <laughs> just watched I had just binge watched uh, Fast and Furious when I was writing that short story, um, <laughs> and so I was it's like, "Modern yeah, mythology, should... Fast and the Furious." Yeah, they should try to steal um, the Millennium Falcon, and of course they fail because Han has to take off on it like right after. But but that was that was like that's that's my origin story for Star Wars. Um, <laughs> I, I've never verified with Elizabeth if she actually saw that tweet or if it was just pure coincidence that it happened at that um, time. <laughs> but you know, let's just say it's the force working its mysterious mm-hmm, ways. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, and then after that, uh, when Galaxy's Edge was getting opened up, I knew they were doing a um, a theme park, and I wrote romance. I write romance as well, mm-hmm. um, and so. Uh, the Disney side reached out and asked if I would be interested in writing uh, a YA love story set on Batu. And of course I said, where do you need me to sign? Is this like <laughs> yeah. a Rumble Silskin deal? Like, do you need my firstborn? <laughs> and, you know, they did not need my firstborn. Uh, <laughs> Disney's just a regular company. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, fairy yes, iron, yes, ironclad contracts. That's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, no fairy tale bargains were made uh, in the making of these books. Uh, but <laughs> you know, um, at, and then after that, you know, uh, Mike asked me, Mike Siglain, who's our our fearless leader, uh, who you know is just so incredible to work with. Uh, he he asked, he was like, "Have you checked your email?" And I was like, "No." What? I'm on deadline, Mike. <laughs> like, oh, you should talk to your agent and check your email. I sent you something. <laughs> oh. And it was an invitation to be part of the High Republic. Oh, there we so, go. Um, good stuff. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my God, I, I was so jealous about the High Republic. I was like, this looks so cool. I mm-hmm. I love yeah. all of these people. I hadn't met I hadn't met Kevin or Charles yet, but I, I knew of course like Claudia, Daniel, and Justina. Mm-hmm. And so I was, I was always just like rooting for them because um, they're such incredible creators and I've, I loved all of their work. Um, and so, you know, then Tessa and Alyssa and uh, George um, 
and me, like we, we all, and, and Lydia, we all joined up mm-hmm. um, after in the second, the second wave. And now it's just like, we have our, like our, our Slack group and uh, uh, it's just like really wonderful. Which is, which is like what I was uh, really gearing up to ask us. I'm infinitely curious and it's kind of serendipitous, right? To talk about this now, because when was it yesterday or the day before was the four year anniversary of the announcement that Luminous, the, the Luminous project was indeed the High Republic. So, you know, we're here celebrating the High Republic of phase, you know, phase one and now we're in phase three. So it's, it's great to be able to talk about it now since there's a conclusion of sorts, but we know that the floodgates for High Republic are only opening because we have the Acolyte coming out and all these things. So it's a really fun yeah, time. Yeah, Jedi be, Adventures. And Young Jedi Adventures. Yeah. So it's a really fun time to be a Star Wars fan because you have now a completely new era in which to immerse yourself that's you know you that you don't need to have any backstory on you can just start in fresh and not have to worry about all the baggage that the skywalker saga has uh, <laughs> but what but what was that process right of like being you know coming into the group of the luminous authors because there's already the roadmap right of where Mm-hmm. where Charles and Kevin and, and Claudia and all those guys were planning out the High Republic to go. So what's it like to be like an author coming into the second phase and plugging into like a story that's kind of already lay out, laid out? How, how, do, how does your creativity and your storytelling plug into that? I think that plugging, like jumping into wave, uh, sorry, phase two, yeah. um, was such a it was it was a very seamless process for me because I had already read the original content to see sort of like this is where we're heading right mm-hmm. um and and I so I like I first I started with the the adult books and then of course there's like the comics and the YAs and the middle grades mm-hmm. um and so it was it was basically like looking at a giant world bible mm-hmm. um and and seeing sort of like where the Jedi are going. But first, you know, we have to tell this story over here of the, these two planets. And yeah. so when I was presented with the world of, um, you know, we have the um, the hyperspace lanes being built mm-hmm. and these uh, really wonderful prospecting teams um, and uh, the Jedi and the Republic are sort of working together. Uh, and then we had, we ended up having two chancellors. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, um, Gela was already a Jedi that was up for grabs. Um, and when I started creating, they were like, all right, Arano and Iram, like we've only seen, we've seen Aram because of the fair. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, like the terrible things that are about to happen over there. Uh, but uh, they're still at war. And so they're at war. And so uh, we're going back 150 years in the past or however long, uh, you know, a significant amount of time. Like we're we're going back in time and now we're 300 years from the Skywalkers. Uh, yeah, the Skywalker saga. Um, and trying to think of what the, what the 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 outer rim looks like mm-hmm. right and you have these two planets 
that are fighting and they've been fighting for so long nobody knows why right that's like very it's very romeo and juliet and that was my first yeah. thought i was like i was like that when i saw that note i was like it's romeo and juliet they're gonna get married um and so when i proposed i was like okay so what if we have this alliance you know historically alliances are built this way uh through monarchs right like mm -hmm. you, you marry somebody so they won't attack your kingdom yeah uh and and so and then i thought of that book um hawk hawk song by amelia right. water roads mm -hmm. and i was like and 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 i was like okay this is a very standard this is a very standard uh, archetype and trope in in a lot of fan high fantasy uh, and history. So to me, it made perfect sense. And so I pitched like I pitched the actual plot, um, and then then the work was interconnecting it to the greater story of Phase right. Two, uh, which with the Evereni and the mother, um, mm -hmm. and so. You know, I I I got to build a lot of the Irem and Arano's cultures, and because um, Arano is a desert planet, um, I thought of like the. It, but it's a desert. It's like more rocky desert than sandy mm -hmm, dune mm -hmm. desert. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Sometimes people ask me if it's more like, more Jeddah, less less uh, Jakku. Yeah, it's it like or Tatooine. It's like mm -hmm. it's it's more um uh southwest america yeah. <laughs> you know with the rocks um yeah then then uh sahara desert um and so thinking about that like uh i the way that i build worlds is i'm like all right so we have we start with the landscape right how does this landscape then affect the people right there still is sand and dust Right, so they would have like things, you know, technology that covers it. Um, uh, and in over here in the water world, we have like they'll have tsunami. Like the one thing that I knew about Irem is that it had a lot of hurricanes and typhoons. And at the mm -hmm. time, I was living in Puerto Rico during the pandemic, because um, my my family has my uncles have an apartment in 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 San Juan, mm -hmm. and so. Um, I had gone down there to check on the property um, on this apartment, and then I was like, "Can I just stay here for, uh, <laughs> uh, and you know, I, and I just stayed, and uh, I stayed for like a year and a half." That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I and I love that you wrote, wrote it here. Yeah, it's one of those all world type of things. <laughs> like, oh crap, what? <laughs> yeah, and so I was like. So every time I would take like my, 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 every morning I would go on a beach walk because, you know, mm -hmm. I was right by the beach and, um, uh, on, by like Calle Loisa mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, uh -huh. and so I would go to, I'd go to the beach in Ocean Park and, and just walk around. Um, and, and I was like, oh, these beautiful blue turquoise waters. Irem now has beautiful blue turquoise waters. Yes. So uh, a lot Canon. Of Aram is Puerto Rico. Aram is Puerto Rico, basically. Um, yes. <laughs> I mean, Fantu is definitely inspired by Ismael Cruz Cordova. Um, I just gave him some green freckles. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, you know, he's in, he's obviously in Lord of the Rings, but um, he was also in Star Wars in that one episode in The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but what was he? He was a he was a purple twilight. Yes. Um, yeah. And I was like, why would you hide this beautiful face under all of purple makeup? But yeah, that's fine. Um, we digress. That means that just means <laughs> it's we, a good, we it's a should good be able to get him. Uh, if cast if, him in something yes. where he he does in real his real face. If Andy Circus can be Snoke and then you uh-huh. know and then play a completely different character in Andor, yeah. we can yeah. we can do it. Say, come on, sorry. The, the we should put him in the High Republic. Have, yeah, we should put him in the High Republic. I think he would. I think he would be great. He, I mean, he's yeah. Fantu's Fantu's still very young, but like, I think that like uh, he could definitely like. I would love to see him as a Jedi or something like that. Um, but anyway, that 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 is that's sort of how I structured these worlds. I was like, okay, they because of these hurricanes and they're sort of this like they don't have a lot of drinking water. They would have to get drinking water when when the the filtration system the, the Jedi brought it in right in like in, mm-hmm. in those in those first books um so they're still without this technology and um and I had to think about like how how these how the the topography and geography and um all of their surroundings like affects the, like the things that they eat um and how does the how did the the foods that they eat affect class mm-hmm. um and their social structure and um it's sort of a coincidence that Iram has two queens in two different books mm-hmm. and i was like it's been a few hundred years it's not like you have to have two queens but that's how i concepted it and before i had right. read the other book and i was like well it's been a hundred years it's time for another gay president basically um yeah absolutely (laughs) and so yeah and and you know um it it's it's a thing you know nobody would ask us like why why do you have three kings back to back right um but when you do have when you have a matriarchy right like when you have a matriarchy Mm -hmm. i think that it's also really powerful and it shows people's relationships um i just really love creating fantasy worlds and thinking about everything that goes into effect um and and the one thing like Lydia and I came up together like we were we were at a, the Savannah Book Festival, and I was like, all right, so like, um, she named the thile the thile fire scorpion. She named that because uh, she was like, this is this interesting scorpion that looks really alien in real life. And so we looked at its scientific name, and then we Star Warsified it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> which is what people have done for other species like mm-hmm. the yeah. Perdon. Mm-hmm. Um definitely. And so like doing even like the most minuscule things and I'm like these scorpions are symbolic of how they basically like it's the it's like the the theory of evolution, right? Like you have one species that splits. Um and so right. that's what that's what these scorpions symbolize, right? Like in in Irem they're in Erino Erino is their um they're just there, they're food. And in and in Irem, they're poisonous mm-hmm. and deadly. Um and that. so <laughs> yeah. I so like it, it, you know, those are those just like minutiae, those are small details, but and then there's just like the regular world of Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, like with with our Jedi. And I loved writing Gela and Axel together and I loved writing Fantu and Ziri because my favorite trope is um uh a tough girl and a cinnamon roll 
boy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that too. It's so good. It's I mean, yeah, but it, like, it really speaks too much so much to the fact that you love kind of high fantasy because world mm -hmm. building is so important in high fantasy and how like the world influences the characters and mm -hmm. how the characters influence back. And I thought that was really cool to bring into like your vision of what Star Wars should be. And and we mm -hmm. always love a love story. Because aside from Star Wars always being political, it's always also been a love story. So I think it Yeah. It, it's just really fun to see it from different perspectives. And especially when you're not tied to the Skywalker saga to have a little bit more mm -hmm, creative mm -hmm, freedom. Mm -hmm in what you decide to do. So I think, I think that's what's really great about the High Republic and why so many of us are so in love with it. So thank you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I mean, you're most welcome. <laughs> I feel very privileged to be able to write in this world that, you know, the, the original architects uh, set up for us. Um, I think it's such a, it, it's such a, a wonderful um type of storytelling because there's something for everybody right there's something mm -hmm. for the youngest kid i actually they just sent me a, a nubs like the nubs. oh yeah Nub, <laughs> nubs nation baby yeah <laughs> nubs nation and um and i'm just like i love it the other day i like i had a headache and i just laid down and i just binge watched young jedi adventures and i was like this is so it's really sweet. good i loved it i mean i remember i watched the the first the first few episodes and then like just straight through um, because it's closer in tone to my new middle grade. Mm -hmm. um, okay. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah. So, oh, uh, and then uh, writing the short story, The Queen's Bloom, mm -hmm. for Stories of Light and Life, which was a little bit of, um, uh, they we, we, we decided it was like, okay, I think people want to see more of Axel. And I was like, all right, I would love to write Axel as a teenager mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> in like, university being like i have always been a chaos monster but i <laughs> but like but you know you see the seeds of the person that he's going to become right like yeah. um it's not as bad as when anakin killed all of the sand people and then everybody mm -hmm. acted like nothing happened but right <laughs> um, you know we see that he's uh he he just wants to have a connection um yeah. and and there's there's somebody there ready to take advantage of that um with with Alicia the mother mm -hmm. um and so i i really loved writing that short story because i wanted also to see i i wanted to write something playful and so mm -hmm. this is like my space version of Ferris Bueller's Day Off Nice. Um, <laughs> I, the original the original title was axel braylarch's day off but i was like oh, i already call i already i already have a comic called this uh and i think they wanted something a little bit more serious <laughs> nice i did want to ask though we were talking about axel a little bit but i i just have like a particular question about uh gala specifically i love that character uh, but one question that's always been burning in, in my mind is like when the cover was revealed for Convergence, I could not stop thinking that that's Adria Arjona as a uh, yo, yo, and I'm just it like, is just a super coincidence. It's, it is just it's a super coincidence. On the nose, I'm just like, wait, is this a <laughs> casting thing? Uh, I because I'd be down for. Don't it. know. Like I don't even know who the reference model was because in the original. Uh, concept art mm -hmm. she 
she does look very similar, but the when you do the real life 3D version mm-hmm. uh, or like a more realistic art, um, she looks more like Adria Arjona. Mm-hmm. And also, did you know that Adria Arjona is actually Ricardo Arjona's daughter? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I didn't know yeah. that. He's half Puerto Rican <laughs> too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Is her mom's Last Puerto Rican? Year, and then, yeah, yeah, her mom's her mom her mom is Puerto and her dad and he's from Guatemala, yeah. and. And I was I went to the Ricardo Arjona concert with my aunt and my uncle, mm-hmm. and then and then when I was scrolling on Instagram, she was like with a picture of her dad. Oh, like, you were oh, the I same show. About, yeah. I was like, I never thought about that their last name was the was connection. The same. And yeah. she was like, me papa, and I was like, oh my yeah. god, what? He had the most gorgeous daughter. Jeez. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, that is like a super coincidence. <laughs> I don't know how that happened. Uh, I get that question a lot. Um, but, Apologies, you know, but I'm I'm, the, I have I'm to not know. The, I'm not the artist, so it's yeah. just setting the record straight that it's just, uh, you know, another beautiful Latina from somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> which, which, uh, just out of curiosity now, like how much as an author with the Star Wars book, like how much input do you have like on these covers of what the cover should be? Is that something that you're in the loop for? Or is this just, just like, you know, Del Rey or whoever is you know, just running with it. I think that I think that um, Star Wars in particular does a really wonderful job at trying to include us. I don't know how much you know. Like, I I, I always trust the creative team, like the art department, because mm-hmm. the art department knows what is going to look good together. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. we have to think of these as a series, right? Yeah. Like yeah. when I saw the concept art for Temptation of the Force, I was like by Tessa Gratton, mm-hmm. Tessa and I, I was like, Tessa, oh my God, this is the, this like, you know, there were, there were, every cover has a lot of, a few different positions, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the mm-hmm. like the characters in a few different positions. So they do ask for our opinion, um, which I think is really wonderful. Um I've had definitely publishers who are like, this is the cover. We're very happy with it. And that language is like to let you know that they don't want it. They don't actually right. want any input your, whatsoever. It's like, any this, input. Is your, this is your opportunity yeah. to agree. <laughs> <laughs> but, but with, but with Star Wars, like, you know, um, Mike and the editors, like they, they'll definitely, they'll say like, what do you think? Like, and, and, and so most of the time I'm like, I'm always so amazed by the, the the inc- the kinds of artists that Star Wars has at their disposal. Um, so like I just got to see the concept art for the cover of Beware the Nameless, mm-hmm. and uh, there is there is like a tie to Convergence yeah. in this middle grade, um, mm-hmm. which I'm really really excited about. This book is like so precious to me, uh, and the plot of Beware the Nameless is a group of kids. Uh, a group of younglings and a very new special character whom I love them so much um, uh, and a Republic kid. Uh, mm-hmm. They they get stranded. Um, I, I, you know what? Let me actually look at the Amazon uh, <laughs> thing so I don't, I don't reveal too much. Too much. Uh, like, if you slip, it's okay. We won't mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm pretty sure uh this is uh on on the summary um 
but yeah, so like it's it's about like it continues the adventure uh, from from Daniel and Alyssa's book. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, uh, and it ca- it carries some uh, some of the original characters from uh, from Daniel and Alyssa's book mm-hmm. as well. So it's like oh, some old, some new, um, and the artwork like you know how like the middle grades have that artwork in the middle yeah i was like i need to have these as posters for myself because they're so incredibly beautiful and actually the planet that we're going to in before the nameless is inspired by galapagos in ecuador Ah, so I, it's always like my, my first, my first inspiration is always like, all right, where in Latin America have we not gone yet in uh-huh. Star Wars? Mm-hmm. And now let's, let's do it. Let's go there. So <laughs> I love that, which is like one of the things that I really wanted to ask about. Cause it's, you know, something that we're very interested in talking about with this podcast is when we made it, we're like, we're, we don't have any, or that we're aware of, right. As Puerto Rican podcasts or Latinx podcasts that are really focused on talking about star Wars from like our point of view. So that's kind of always been our mission. And we've been very privileged to have been chosen at star Wars celebration to host uh, the podcast stage. And like we've talked about a representation there. Uh, so we're always, you know, on, on the search to keep, you know, pushing the narrative of representation to anyone who listened to us. So uh, that's something that we want to ask you is it's like how does because star wars you know is this abstract sci-fi thing that's removed from our reality but still connects mm-hmm. to our reality yeah. through its themes and whatnot how do you personally feel i mean you talked to touched on it a little bit now but how do you feel that you're able to project your cultural background uh, to characters or locations that aren't technically anchored in you know our latinx identity but still want to project it so we can represent our cultures yeah. right through star I mean, wars it's so it's so hard because like you know in star wars and space humans are one race mm-hmm. um yeah right but uh but you can still see the threads of it right like in in uh there's all of star wars has this idea of exploration and um and a lot like even in the older books right like the older the the legends books also cover things like refugees coming from planet to planet yeah. uh wars between species in different planets mm-hmm. um and and all of that is a mirror into our own world they're mm-hmm. just not we have to pull from somewhere i don't i don't actually believe that you can pull you can make something from nothing like you can't make even you know homeboy who wrote dune i always Mm. forget his name i'm sorry frank herbert frank herbert i think uh yes no you're correct okay Uh, thank you i'm just like i'm like did i screw that up oh yeah (laughs) i look it's fine drag me i don't care i it (laughs) uh i i read dune because i had this boyfriend in college who read one of the ya novels that i love so and so I read Dune and he read that book and he didn't like my book and I didn't like Dune, but um, <laughs> I mean, look, we've we all been there. We've all been there. Did not work out. Uh, but, <laughs> but anyway, so I had, that's my Dune. I'm triggered. Uh, <laughs> um, but with um, even Dune, right? Like Dune is 
has a lot of analogs and all fantasy has an analog. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't have an analog or claims not to have an analog, I'm sure that I can look at it and pull imagery and tell you exactly what the history of this imagery comes from. Mm -hmm. And it'll generally be medieval Europe, right? And so all fantasy has a root and it's, we're just lying to ourselves when we say that like, oh, the real world has no impact. And I'm like, yes, we can use fantasy as a layer between us and the real world, right? It is, it allows us to look at the problems that we have in the real world, uh, the conflicts that we have, the great things that we have, right? It allows us to do this uh, at a distance um, because it is a, it's, we're creating a separate world inspired by something else. Um, and that's why I don't really like, um, I, when I read a book and the world building sort of all over the place, like it really takes me out of the story because like, yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like you, I, I need to write something. I will always strive to write with intentionality. Mm-hmm. And so if I choose a certain name, um, I have looked at the root of that name and why it means a certain thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I could also just take a lamp and name someone Palm because I scrambled the words. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but that that comes with some, but that comes from somewhere. And and I and and so I, you know, I think that the more people who write in Star Wars, the more we get to see different points of views. Like, no pun yeah. intended. Um. And I think that's a great thing. We have a giant galaxy. Yeah. Uh, and and there's room for so many stories. Um, I don't remember what the beginning of the question was, but sometimes I go off in these, like... Oh, no, please. <laughs> uh, 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 long thoughts. So <laughs> I feel like my mind takes a walk. Um, but yeah, that's that's where we can start on this part of the conversation. Yeah, because it, 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 you, you were saying that about, specifically about fantasy, and just reminded me, like I read... A couple of years ago, fairly recently, a book called The Black Sun by Rebecca Runhorse, which is oh yeah, you know, I love her. A, She's a which is which is basically the the thing you were saying. It's it's a fantasy book, but it's kind of rejecting the trope of being about medieval Europe as the you know mm-hmm. basis of creating a fantasy world, and it just uses Mesoamerica as the basis mm-hmm. for fantasy, which was a fresh of fresh of fresh air, right? Because it's not something that we're accustomed yeah. to but it just shows the diversity that fantasy has to just be whatever you want it to be and have it connect to different people in different ways through that type of uh, you know historical background which like we were saying at the beginning right when we started talking it's like things that like the three of us weren't really exposed to when we were young starting to read uh, stories about like our cultures it's like and i think that now authors are kind of taking it upon themselves to start making those stories that we didn't have access to or weren't available or didn't even exist when we were growing up so it's definitely like i think a kind of a beautiful thing that is happening now because you know there's no time like the present mm-hmm. um so to that point right we're talking about uh, injecting representation to star wars and i have like a like two questions about that for you it's like one to tie back when we were talking about Orchidia Divina and talking about magical realism I think that's a you know a a, a writing genre of writing (laughs) right that it's very I don't want to say limited but very anchored in a certain 
genre and timeline and historicity. Do you think that there is a flexibility for magical realism to be incorporated into Star Wars? And how do you imagine that happening? You know, uh, that, so, yes and no. I think that there is, there's room for different genres in Star Wars, yeah. right? Like, only a romance novel, only a thriller, only mm -hmm. a murder mystery. I would love, I would love to see a murder mystery in Star Wars. Mm. I think that uh, would be like, great, we need, actually. We need <laughs> yeah. a, a Hercule Poirot of Star mm -hmm. Wars. Um, but I don't think that magical realism could fit into Star Wars. And the reason is because magical realism is this idea that things happen and magic is mundane, mm -hmm. right? And they happen without explanation. And so if we look at some of the history of magical realism, a lot of the things that are just like, you know, Garcia Marquez and Isabel Allende and Borges, and so they're writing in, mm -hmm. this, in this tradition where they can't explain why something happened, right? Like, mm -hmm. did your grandmother, did your, sorry, did your uncle, I'll use, I use grandmothers a lot, did your uncle <laughs> vanish from, did your uncle vanish from town because he was carried off by an angel or did he actually vanish because the militia in the town over from like the neighboring dictator is coming and attacking your village, mm -hmm. right? Like, and so not being able to have those answers um, is part of also what makes magical realism what it is, right? Like we, so we can't explain the, the, the the things that we believe and yeah. and the superstitions that we have and whether or not they come true a girl with green hair right like this girl with green hair is just born into a family uh, a girl with a flower coming out of her wrist is born into another family you know um an angel falls into town and lives in the chicken coop which is one of garcia marquez's short stories yeah um and so it's like these things cannot be explained but in star wars we have an explanation. It's the force. Mm. And um, or it's the witches of Dathomir, right? Yeah. And um, and so because we have a root and an explanation, I think it would be harder to do, which is mm -hmm. I was not to say it's impossible, um, but it it's a little it that to me is like the separate like the the divide. Mm -hmm. Um because then it's just fantasy. Right. Like when you can explain the magic, it's fantasy. Uh, and then when white people write magical realism, it's fabulism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just it's two different ways of dealing with the magical. And especially what you were saying in Star Wars. There's already a very ingrained system of how things are supposed to work. So that is why I think yeah, that Realismo Magico would be hard to like plug it in. I, unless it's like we go into this planet that knows nothing about what's happening, knows nothing about the force. Yeah, yeah, and, it's nothing about the force. Yeah, uh, which would be interesting so, actually when mm -hmm. they can't explain why the magical things that happen around them are happening because they have no knowledge of the force or anything else. That could be I mean, possible. Yeah, I, mean, I, mean. I, would, I would love to see it. I would love to see it. I think that there's room <laughs> for so much, for so many things. You know, we have like the samurai novel that, um, mm -hmm, Ronan, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ronan, Amico, yeah. yeah, yeah, and um, uh, for all intents and purposes, I feel like every book that Claudia Gray wrote was a romance. Like, I remember mm -hmm. 
being so, every time I see Claudia, every time we hang out, I'm like, Claudia, Lost Stars 2. I like, I want to cry all the time Mm -hmm. when I think of like the ending of Lost Stars. It's my favorite Star Wars book. (laughs) Not to brag. (laughs) I mean, and, and, and I think, I think a lot of fans, if not most fans, if not every fan, but the same way. My new favorite book. Sorry, sorry to cut you oh, off. My new favorite book is ab- is about to be Temptation of the Forest by Tessa Gratton. <laughs> I really look based on the cover. I'm I'm really looking forward yeah. to that one for sure. Uh, which uh, keeping it, you know, in, in High Republic as we kind of like, you know, we'll start wrapping things up. We've talked about representation. We talked about magical realism, and I think one of the really cool things that we were talking about about High Republic as a whole is what a great job it has been doing in terms of like representation and diversity uh, or, mm-hmm. you know, how all the characters that it's introducing and a lot of uh, non-binary characters or LGBTQ characters and all those things. And one thing that we have been very vocal on this podcast has always been how Star Wars has been a little slow, especially compared to like other franchises like, like Star Trek, to be blunt, of how forward they are in terms of like how they're introducing more diversity into their stories. And, while High Republic has been great so far, there's still, you know, work to be done. So, like, in your opinion, like, what do you think uh, Star Wars as a whole can learn from the High Republic? Or what what more would you like to see the High Republic do or, you know, Disney Plus or the films do in terms of representation in stories? Um, I, you know, that's hard to say because I don't know what's what's in the work. I don't know the plans yeah. for, for Ray. Mm-hmm. Although I am really excited to see Same. those, um, I think one of the biggest one of the biggest disappointments for me as a fan was not being able to see Finn as a mm-hmm. Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I think that like I love him as a character, and um, he just sparkles. Him and him and Oscar Isaac, um, yeah, just like sparkle when they're together. The three of them, you know. Um, and, but, but I think that we, one thing that I, I, I am excited about the Acolyte is that mm-hmm, it has mm-hmm. such a diverse cast and it yeah. is a high Republic, right? It's high Republic. Um, I think that, you know, Obi-Wan had a, had a diverse cast. Um, yeah. and then you, but it's, it's not what Star Wars can do. It's what can the fans do? Like what mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. you know, like you have, we have this, like, this part of the fandom that isn't very kind to these actors or to black Mm -hmm. women. And, Mm -hmm. and that is just, that's, that's like the biggest hurdle. Um, Yeah. uh, But I, you know, cause you can't make, you can't make fiction for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. you can think, you can think that it is. And I do believe star Wars is, is for everybody. Uh, and we go at it with this intent, but because it means so much to so many people, yeah. everybody wants to possess it mm-hmm. as like, this belongs mm-hmm. to us. Why are you changing it? Why are you ruining my childhood? And I'm like, right. oh, I'm yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't, your childhood is still there. The original right. movies haven't gone anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. I, 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 for one, do not want them rebooted. Um, no, no, but it, it's, it's like, you know they're not going anywhere it's it's just this is not the story you saw in your head because it 
is outside of the things that you experience on an everyday basis. But for some of us, we live, you know, like our lives are for all, like, just to use that word, like diverse, like we have so many kinds of people, like, I'm like the token straight person in my friend group, um, (laughs) which is weird to say. Um, (laughs) Interesting. You know, like, like, and, or, and, and, and so it's, it's kind of, uh, if, if we, the Star Wars cannot be our world, mm. it can take inspiration from our world, but like for all intents and purposes, Star Wars almost has to be better than what we do. Like mm-hmm. fiction yeah. is an idea, like an idealized version of our world, yeah. a mirror or an upside down mirror sometimes. Um, and so it. I want to see more. The one thing that I would love to see more is like, I would love to see Afro Latino and indigenous Latino representation actors in live action, because I feel like we have Rosario Dawson and we have Ismael, but they're Mm -hmm. both in costume and uh, Mm -hmm. and playing like aliens. Um, And so I think that, you know, we can do a better job at that, Uh, but I'm not a casting manager. Right. uh, And I don't want to tell anybody. I don't want to offend anybody on how to do their job, but I do think that there's room for those stories, but that's a Hollywood problem. That's not a star Wars problem. Yeah. That is correct. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, and for all, it's like, it's also what we have done. Like we have given an, an image to the world of what Latino is supposed to look like and Latinx. And so it, you know, we, we've sort of created our own, uh, our own, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a. I mean, yeah, that's definitely like a that's part. That's all two. entire episode. That's a, that's a part two uh, for this. Yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, before we wrap up, you know, what other? We know you have a. You know, we uh, you're working on or done. I, I don't know what state of the process you're on. Uh, for Beware yeah. the Nameless, but uh, is there anything you can tell us about Beware the Nameless or any other Phase Three fun stuff that you have going along or other projects that you're working on that you want to you know tell us and yeah. people listening. So. Beware the nameless, like uh we're we're still wrapping it up. Um I think that it's 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 a really fun middle grade adventure. Um I you know, my favorite my favorite one of my I keep saying my favorite thing is this, but then I say another you thing change is my it favorite. Again. Yeah, that's yeah, I because I have, I love so many things, right? And so uh You it can has, have like, many you know, favorite a, things. That's true. A group of yeah, a group of <laughs> unlikely friends, you know, working together to save them themselves and save the day um and so of course there's nameless in there so we get to see mm. some of these like creatures um and the different kinds of creatures uh after you read book one uh daniel daniel and Alyssa's book um but it, it also stands on its own as as a, as a book um and it it was a it was like a joy for me writing and creating some of these characters and some uh there is a tie to convergence mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um in one of the characters um and i hope that people like it i think it's like you know uh for like middle grade to me is i know adults read it and kids read it but kids are always my first audience mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know yeah. um when it when it comes to stuff like that uh and then i'm working on uh my next adult book which is called God damn it! What's it called? Um, <laughs> it's tentatively titled "The Fall of Rebel Angels," mm-hmm. um, and it's a contemporary fantasy, um, like urban fantasy, um, mm-hmm. about 
one of the angels from Lucifer's rebellion, whose punishment is to fall for eternity, uh, like fall from you know the celestial plane, mm-hmm. right? And uh, every time he lands on Earth, every hundred years, he has seven days to find his wings. And this time, things are a little bit different because he's been pulled out of that cycle three mm-hmm. years early. Um, and he's landed in this woman's garden, and she is accused of m- disappearing her ex-lover. Disappearing? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whatever that means. Is he dead? Yeah. We don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't know if he's dead. He's just he's just missing. Yeah. Uh, and so she's and she's been in an accident too. And um, they basically join forces to find redemption for each other. Uh, and it's a very ambitious book for me because there's a lot of history um, in the angel. Like every every it takes place over the course of seven days uh, at, with some in, interstitials into the past, like Arcadia Divina. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it it's it's a feat for me, uh, and it's also incredibly long for me as well. <laughs> How um, long so far? Uh, it's a right now. It's a hundred and it's a hundred thousand words right now. Um, which I don't know. It's 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 longer than Convergence, and Convergence was I think my longest book to date. Um, so we'll see. Like I I'm really excited. It comes out in 2025. Okay. Uh, I think summer 2025, and so there's still a little bit of a wait, but I really love Mm -hmm. this book. I think it's like it's it's a weirdo romance with angels and occult stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm all in. I can't wait for that to be released. Yeah. We'll, I'm all we'll, in. Put, we'll, we'll, we'll put our pre-orders uh, from now after today. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about it. I, I love it so much. And, um, and so those are the two things I'm working on. Um, aside from like the million side projects and side hustles, you know, because the work never ends. Um, that's good and though. Yeah. It's better than the alternative. Yeah, work. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, that's what I've got going. Great, awesome. thank you. Uh, I mean, this has been like an amazing conversation. You know, we, you know, it's one of those conversations that could go on forever because there's, you know, so many tangents that we could have taken. So, like, we just have to restrain ourselves to make this uh, palatable. So, hopefully, like in the future, we can just have you over and keep talking because this has been <laughs> truly, truly a privilege. But before before we sign off, where can people find you on the socials if they want to follow your thoughts and your adventures? Uh, what are those links? Uh, my website is SoraidaCordova.com. And uh, on Instagram, I'm Soraida Solo, uh, like Han Solo. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I, have, I don't have Twitter anymore, but I have Blue Sky. And it's the same handle as my old Twitter handle, which is Z like in Zorro, the phrase Z like in Zorro. And I, I'm now, I, I delete all my apps when I'm on deadline off my phone. I see. <laughs> so I, so I'm not like, cause there's a, there's a moment where I'm always like, okay, I'm just going to doom scroll for two hours. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and so I always, I delete it to just save myself. Um, but now, now I'm back. So. <laughs> Try threads. Just saying. Uh, threads is. Oh, threads. Cool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's just too many. I feel like the whole social media landscape is so just many a disaster yeah. now because 
you know, it's the whole thing with not supporting Twitter because of you know what, and then some are in Blue Sky, and then some are in Threads, some are in Substack. I so miss. I'm just look, like, there's... I love, I love Star Wars Twitter so much. I do miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just had too many people trying to break into my account. Like every every week, I would get like a an email like wow. change your password, and I'm like, oh why? God. Like, I I have like two followers. Like, relax. <laughs> that's yeah. That... I get it. That sounds exhausting. But yeah, give us yeah. a try. Give us a try. Because uh, that's where that's where we're at. So we'll be <laughs> self self serving on that. But yeah, <laughs> we we digress. Thank you so much, Sarayda, for like joining us. Thank you, an, guys. An I amazing conversation. So Such a good time. Uh, so yeah, until 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 the next time, which hopefully will be sooner rather than later. Maybe when when the next book comes out, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah, Nani, uh, you have something else before we wrap up? No, it was so amazing to talk to you, Sarayla. I love that you put up, like a fantasy kind of twist into Star Wars. And it's it's been really great talking to you and to learn how your creative process works. So thank you so much for joining us. And we love us some Latinas that are writing, that are gorgeous, that are into Star Wars, because there's been some conversations <laughs> that Star Wars is not for women. Oh, that's and, true. Yeah, you know, yeah. Yep. Oh, are we there again? Is uh-huh. it? Yeah, We're yeah, there yeah. again. Yep. It's, ha- it's, it's happened so again. Silly. So to prove those, you know, people wrong, Star Wars is for uh, everybody. That's, uh, does, I, would, yeah. I, I would love to say, like, those people, does it ever get exhausting being wrong? <laughs> yeah. Just, I, don't, I, I don't know. It's, I don't it's, know. it's a thing. <laughs> but anyway, until next time, we are Triad of the Force. Thank you again, Soraya, for being with us. Like, comment, subscribe, leave a comment, check out Sarayla's stuff because it's really, really amazing. And we look so much forward to all your other projects that are coming into the force. So we love you. Until next time, may the force be with you.